the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Situation Report today. Very glad to have you joining me. My name is Jeremy Stahlecker. I am your host and looking forward to uh, this content today. We've got a great interview and then I've got some remarks I want to make on the other side of this interview. This is the show where we do everything that we possibly can to give you the information and perspectives you need to navigate an ever-changing culture. Today we're going to talk about elections. Probably not a big surprise to you. We are in election season right now. And for many of us, we view this as one of the most important election cycles of our lives. <laughs> Have you ever heard that before? We say that all of the time. It seems like every election cycle is the most important election cycle of our lives. And perhaps things are getting worse all of the time. Maybe we're just feeling like they are. But coming out of the pandemic, coming out of uh, certainly government overreach, the lockdowns, the mandates, all the things that we've had to deal with, we have seen and experienced what the government, those who represent us, will do, irrespective of how we, those who are governed and those who elected these folks, believe or what we think. Um, Many of you live in places other than California. I live in California And I live in a great community. I'm thankful for it. I live in a great county, also thankful for it. But here in California, we have had uh, so many uh, things imposed upon us that people in other states have not. And to watch what our elected officials will do has been really eye-opening, I think, for many, many people. So we come to the elections that we're looking at right now, uh, runoff elections happening right now, the midterms happening in just a couple of months, uh, so many important decisions being made that we'll continue to talk about elections uh, as the opportunity arises, and today is one of those opportunities. I had the opportunity to take a few minutes and interview someone that I've interviewed in the past, someone that I've had the opportunity to meet in person, someone that I follow on social media, um, someone who's doing an incredible job. Joe Collins is running for Congress in Los Angeles, in Los Angeles's new 36th district. Uh, it's a new district because of redistricting. Some things have happened even to our pol- uh, population here in California that's caused uh, some redistricting to take place. He'll talk about that, and he does a little bit in this interview. Uh, But Joe is one of those guys, he's a younger guy, he has served in the United States Navy, served for a number of years, uh, came out of South Central Los Angeles, uh, going back to a community that he grew up in to represent that community. He has a vision for what could be. For so many years, Maxine Waters has represented this district, and now, again, because of redistricting, he's in kind of a different place than he was in 2020 when he ran. Uh, but he is the kind of person that not only Los Angeles and Los Angeles County, but the rest of the country needs to look to for leadership uh, for a lot of reasons. One, he's younger. 
to. He is connected to the community that he wants to represent. If you follow his social media, uh, Joe is great because he just doesn't seem to care <laughs> who he offends. He is there to do one thing, that is to represent his community. Uh, he is a Republican. He does not hide that he's a Republican, but he has no problem calling out Republicans that don't represent their communities, that haven't done a good job governing and leading. And uh, I appreciate that so much about him. We have a great conversation with him. He breaks down some of this. He talks about his priorities. He talks about areas that Republicans could do better. Uh, Some of the problems, even as it relates to election integrity. This is a great conversation. I've got some comments and some thoughts on the other side of this. But before we get to my comments and my thoughts, I want you to enjoy and appreciate this conversation, this interview with Joe Collins. Joe is the person that I always refer to as my favorite politician in America. Uh, You're like the realest guy in the world. I've had the chance to meet you in person one time, interview you one time, and uh, you came back on. Really appreciate it. I know you're running around, you're campaigning, there's a lot going on. You took time for us, so thanks for doing it. For sure, anytime, anytime. Thank you for having me. Uh, You are running for for Congress, Congressional District uh, 36 here in California, which I know uh, you'll talk about. Um, spent a long time in the Navy, which, uh, you know, obviously is, is near and dear to my heart, your service as a veteran, and um, really grateful for that. And you have such an incredible story, and to me, in, in so many ways, it's, it's the American story, and now you're at a point in your life. Uh, I talk to a lot of politicians and a lot of people who are running for office and a lot of good people out there, and I'm very thankful for them. But you're just so genuine and so real. Um, I love it, man. Can you tell tell us your story? Talk about growing up where you are, yeah. <laughs> which is you know unique, right? You're representing your own district and your own your own hometown, which is awesome. Um, and, and kind of what brought you to this place where you came back to the community and said, "I need to do something. I need to see some things change." Yeah, um, I'm from South Central Los Angeles. I think everybody uh, should know by now. I'm from South Central Los Angeles, born and raised, and. Uh, when I was a kid, it was just a lot of it was a lot of violence, a lot of uh, drugs and gang activities around where I grew up at, uh, a lot of poverty. And um, I'm 36. Uh, I was a kid then, and, and right now it's still the same exact thing. And, uh, mm. and I tell people the only common denominator uh, is that person who was sitting in office, and that's Maxine Waters, and she's still sitting in office, and still, uh, you know, it's even more crime now, influx and violence and poverty. Um, now they just added more homeless people to the mix and illegal immigrants. And, uh, and that's where we are. But, you know, I spent 13 and a half years in the United States Navy. Um, I got out because I wanted to get involved in politics. And, and, I, and, I, and I shot my shot, to be honest with you. I think we were very successful last election cycle. Uh, it was fun, but it was, uh, it was a lot of work. And we had a lot of trials and tribulations. Um, we ran in our last election uh, against Maxine Waters. And, I, and I'll tell you, like, you hear her talk trash on TV, and it sounds a mess. But when you actually have to experience it in, in real life, it's even worse. But yeah. uh, but we made it. We did a really good job running against our last election cycle. We actually got her out campaigning. We have a lawsuit still in the courts from the 2020 uh, election cycle for election integrity. Um, that's what Maxine Waters in the county of Los Angeles. I sued her for defamation. She ran millions of dollars of advertising, saying that I was dishonorably discharged. And I, I sued her for that. Um, because I mean, like you can talk trash about me, you can talk trash about my family, my friends, but you know, you don't talk trash about my kids. You don't talk trash about military service. Those are the two right. things that I, I just, I'm not going to play with. I can't play with that. So, yeah. 
Um, that election was really interesting. And, you know, last time I had the chance to interview you was right before that. You know, in fact, we met um, at the uh, One American News Studios. Yes. You, you were doing some inter- interviews there all while that was taking place. Can you just talk about the election integrity thing? You passed over it quickly, but that was a really big deal. And probably the reason she's been in office for 40 years, something like that, right? Almost, yeah. Um, yeah, so can, can you just talk about what that looks like? Because I, I think it's a really important story, particularly in poor communities in our country, uh-huh. that people just do not understand. Well, when it comes to election integrity, it's not about uh, having, like, ID to vote or what people actually think it is. It's about the county of Los Angeles actually doing its job to ensure that the only people who are voting in our elections are the people who are qualified to vote in our elections. Um, in federal elections, you can't have people voting who don't live in a district, who are not registered in a district, whose signature card doesn't match their uh, voter data signature card, you know, like like things like that, um, addresses. And the county of Los Angeles didn't verify any of that stuff. As a matter of fact, I think that they already had uh, votes tallied before, mm. uh, you know, the election was up. Because I remember we were having an election party um, at my office in South Central Los Angeles. We had the block filled up because we just knew we won. We put in a lot of work, raised a lot of money, build our name ID, became a household name. We were very uh, heavy in our communities. And at eight o'clock, both of us had zero. And then at 801, she had 118,000 votes already. (laughs) And I only have 4,000. I'm like, I don't understand how this is possible. Everybody was tripping. It was like, no, this isn't right. Because we watched them count those ballots through the primaries. And they only count 4,000 ballots a minute, you know, and I have 4,060. And she had 118,000. I was like, oh, this election is trash. So we immediately filed our lawsuit. But um, election integrity is going to be even more important now because the amount of illegal immigrants that we have coming through the border. And then they have the program to where illegal immigrants are automatically registered to vote, you know. And then they're trying to pass another program to any interaction that you have with the federal government or state government, you're automatically registered to vote. And and that's not right. That's I mean, the only people who should be voting in our elections are uh, U.S. taxpayers. Yeah. Um, something I, I've heard you talk about before is, you know, in, in communities like the one that you're campaigning in, in your district, there are a lot of folks who become beholden to politicians, again, yeah. like Maxine <laughs> Waters. And they'll continue to vote for someone that clearly has not functioned or operated in their best interest. In fact, you did a great, a great commercial, um, you know, first time around, yeah. um, standing out in front of her house because she doesn't even live in the district that she she purports to represent. Uh, what's the mindset behind folks? And this is not just in poor communities. This is what we're dealing with across the country in every community. Mm-hmm. But why is it that people will continue to vote for representatives and politicians who absolutely do not represent them? This is a, a, a thing that it, it absolutely blows my mind. And we see it again and again and again in every community across the country. Why does it happen? <laughs> um, well, if you ask me, I'll tell you that, you know, a lot of people are sympathetic towards their party or towards that person who they've been used to uh, voting for. And, uh, and I think that that same entire, that same sympathy is what's killing our country right now. I mean, how do you have somebody uh, sympathy for somebody who's been in office 47 years and, you know, 50 <laughs> right. years right. in Joe Biden's case, and they have literally done nothing for our country. Um, and, and you look at our age, you know what I'm saying? I'm 36 years old. Joe Biden's like 80, you know, whatever age he is. How was that yeah. person even relatably close to, to being able to represent me, even with the, with that huge age gap. I mean, we're not in the seventies or sixties and that's how they're legislating. 
like we're in 2022 about to be mm-hmm. 2023 like we need younger people stepping up taking office but we got to stop voting for party lines that's what people do they don't vote for the person who's going to represent them best they don't vote for that new person to give them an opportunity they keep voting for the same thing over and over again and sometimes it's for sympathy and other times it's because of just you know popular opinion or popular beliefs that that person is going to magically you know wave their wand and everything's going to get better and it's not the case i uh, i live in california um uh, down in riverside county and so the last couple of years have had an impact on us for sure, but Los Angeles County has been hit so, so hard by COVID restrictions and a lot of the other things that have been <laughs> imposed on us by the government. Uh, has that caused people in Los Angeles County and in your district to wake up a little bit to how their politicians represent them? I think everything that's happened in the a, in a past few years from uh, Donald Trump becoming president all the way up until the the COVID pandemic and even looking at Joe Biden, how his administration is legislating now has woken people up. I mean, people are really yeah. pissed off, you know. Um, Donald Trump got everybody looking at politics in a different light. And then Joe Biden with the lockdown and the restrictions from his administration, the rest of the Democrats got people saying, you know what, we've been doing this for a very long time and nothing has changed. You know, this is why we need new leadership. This is why it's time to vote for something new. And I think that uh, people who are running for office, they have to you know, you got you to gotta somehow figure out a way to tell people, stop being sympathetic towards people who are killing your lives. Like America is in like a toxic, destructive relationship with the, with the Democrat yeah. Party and the Biden administration. I don't even know any other way to put it. It's, I mean, this relationship yeah. we have is toxic, it's bad. You know? Sure. Um, one of the, the things that you talk about pretty regularly is um, the areas that the Republican Party or conservatives have really, really missed it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you've been critical of Republicans. You are a Republican. You're running as one. And, and you, you don't shy away from that either. You, yeah. you talk about that a lot. But um, you talk about how Republicans have missed it. What are some things that the Republican Party should be doing that it's not or could be doing different? Um, I think one of the biggest things that the Republican Party can be doing is putting more of an effort into the dense populated areas. I mean, you look at Los Angeles County, we got like 12 million people that live in Los Angeles County. That is the same as like maybe four or five northern states. I think you take Idaho, you yeah, could probably right, take right. Wyoming and Wisconsin, you could probably take, you know, uh, Washington State and put them all together and have the population of Los Angeles County. However, we don't even have a huge Republican presence in Los Angeles County. We've never had a presence before I started running for office and, uh, you know, letting people know that I'm a proud Republican. Uh, we came through this uh, recall election, you know, earlier this year, yep. and man, it was crazy because I, I was very optimistic, and I, I still don't believe it went the way that you know we've been told it did. Um, uh, I was so excited to have Larry Elder as our governor. I, I, I tell people that, and people are like, "You're crazy!" Like, I know I was so excited that he was going to be our governor because I just thought it just makes so much sense, and people are so upset, and things went a completely different way. But the Republican Party. Um, to my knowledge, did not support any Republican candidate, not yeah. not one. And you don't have to support my guy, but didn't support anyone. And I, I think you're right. I think the Republican Party has has largely, and I don't know why, but they they've they've allocated attention, funds, focus, uh, and energy in places that they already have kind of figured out and yeah. are not helping people like you and, you know, like families like mine that, that live here and are impacted by this. Is there a reason for that or is it just completely just a tone deafness or they've just written off California and said it doesn't matter, we can't get it? I think 
you know, just like a lot of Republicans in the GOP, they like to go after the easy stuff. You know what I'm saying? So when it comes to places where you're going to actually have to work and actually have to be that yeah. leader that you talk about that you are, uh, those are not the place that they're targeting. You know, like Maxine Waters is the most, uh, like the fourth most powerful person in Congress, and you got a strong candidate, the ability to raise money. All I need is a little bit of support, a little bit of, yeah. you know, walkers, yeah. but, oh, it's hard. You don't want to, they don't want to get involved. Um, but then when, when we registered, we registered like 50,000 new Republicans, and we took the district from a D59 to a D24, and all of a sudden, like, oh, well, we got, you know, we got candidates yeah. who can work really hard and we got all these new yeah. Republicans. It's like, no, you didn't do that. I did that. You know what I'm saying? Right. But um, right. they, they got to get more bold. They got to be more brave. It's not hard to get out into into these inner cities or the heavy, dense populated areas and talk to people. What will um, your priorities be? And and I'm, I'm very hopeful that you'll replace vaccine. <laughs> that you get her out of here, that you'll you'll be in Washington this next year. Yeah. So many problems our country's facing right now. So many issues. Uh, what will some of your top priorities be going to Washington? Some of my top priorities, I'll have to tell you uh, right now, um, cutting back on taxes and, and wasteful yeah. government spending. That's like the biggest thing right now that, I, that I'm heavily focused on. Energy will be number two, but nobody ever talks about the wasteful spending from, from the U.S. government. I mean, another $40 billion for a country that the United States can't even ben off, benefit off of. We're probably not going to get that money back. Uh, you're talking about billions of dollars in equipment left in Afghanistan, billions of dollars going to other countries for sex change, uh, therapeutics and research and development, and you know, on, on LGBTQ plus uh, agenda in another country. I don't know how that's going to benefit America, but um, that's the type of spending that, that I'm going to be focused <clears throat> on. Um, and as well as energy, and, and I'm talking about all types of energy, I'm focused on um, coal industry, uh, fossil fuels, natural gas, uh, natural gas energy, renewable energy, like whatever energy, like I'm about it, you know, and I, I think that we have to be open minded because you literally cannot have one without the other. I think that uh, as a taxpayer, we need to start focusing on issues that that concerns the American people. Um, you, you know, you look at the issues that we have, you got to understand that the United States is going to blow money. So as a taxpayer, I would prefer the United States to blow money on Americans and issues concerning America than other countries that we can't benefit from. Uh, my second part is going to be energy. Um, and I'm talking about all types of energy, renewable energies, green energies, coal energies, uh, gas and oil, uh, natural gas, like all types of energies, nuclear energy, because I think that uh, in America, we have the ability for research and development on uh, more energy infrastructure. I mean, I think we need to be dependent on ourselves and not dependent on other countries yeah. for our energy. That's the reason why we have a lot of the issues when it comes to inflation uh, that we have right now. So those are my top two priorities. Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of their lives. He created the Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for you and me. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. Mike's latest incredible deal is the sale of the year. Sale of the year. That means it's not going to happen again. This is the sale of the year. What is it? For a limited time, you will receive 60% off the Giza Dream Sheets that comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. You will receive a set for as low as $39.99. For a limited time, with any purchase, you will receive Mike's soft cover book free when you use promo code SITREP. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use promo code SITREP. 
Along with this offer, you will also get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. For those of you that would rather use the phone, and some of you are out there, you know who you are, call 1-800-870-0283, use the promo code SITREP, or MyPillow.com, and use the promo code SITREP. Yeah, that's great. I In California here, um, it was earlier this week, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, um, California politicians, our governor said that we have a surplus <laughs> in our state of, I, I forget the number is, something really stupid, right? $40 billion yeah. surplus or something. Meanwhile, we have the highest uh, you know, tax rate in the country and our gas prices are the highest in the country as well. When we talk about energy, we have a surplus apparently, but we are still being taxed on fuel at the pump at a rate higher than anywhere else in the country. Yep. Meanwhile, our governor continues to say, the Democratic Party in California continues to say, we're going to get rid of all you know, gas-powered combustion engine vehicles by 2030, I think is the time, and go completely to to these electric vehicles. None of that makes sense. But I think California really, in a lot of ways, is is kind of the um, the harbinger for the rest of the country. Exactly. We see what's happening here. We can see where the rest of the country will end up. How do we address those issues? When you talk about uh, AOC and the squad, these folks who are so hell-bent on this Green New Deal, they don't care about what is good for the country. They care about these other environmental issues. And there's so much momentum behind them. How do you as a politician, not as a politician, as a congressman, how do you address that? How do we deal with that? How do we get to the place where we're, we're making good decisions? Well, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a real leader. And, you know, a guy like me, when it comes to uh, different aspects of energy, you know, I will be open to looking at the energy policy, looking at the energy plans and and making them feel comfortable that I'm going to do something to get this passed. And once I get the book, just rewrite the entire thing and be like, here, I think this is a better plan. <laughs> that's how you got to do it. The whole back and forth, I think that's what's killing the country. You know, um, yeah. AOC, they got the young people behind them, the gamers and everything, the, the young Turks and whatnot. But um, and, and they're clashing with the older generation of politicians, which I absolutely agree with. We got to get rid of those guys as well. But they just need some younger, smarter people to work with them, to guide them in the direction that they need to be in when it comes to creating policy or legislation that's going to benefit everybody. Um, I think right now they're extremely immature. They're extremely young and they can use some guidance. But, you know, like we talked about earlier, somebody who's 70, 80, 60 years old is not going to be guidance or or have the, the best interest in mind of somebody who's in their 30s or, or late 20s or even early 40s. Yeah, that's good. Um, these policy changes, I, I think... You know, even as it relates to our economy more broadly, beyond the energy sector, uh, it's all about policy. And good policy has a result, has a consequence. We've seen bad policy come from the Biden administration, and, yeah. and we see what that has produced. And good policy, um, very, very important. Um, you are running in the 36th district. I think last yeah. time it was the 43rd district. Mm -hmm. uh, can you explain what happened there? I think it's pretty an, a pretty interesting story that people outside <laughs> of California don't get, right? So so this is what happened. Um, we, we ran a really, really strong campaign uh, last election cycle. And like I said earlier, we registered over 50,000 uh, new Republicans. Well, you can't have that in what's supposed to be a heavy Democrat district. And, and mind mm. you, this was not the party that did that. This was my campaign that did that. Right. And so uh, whenever they were redistricting, 
they had to take all the places that we won and, and remove them from the district and remove the Republicans and conservatives that we registered from the district into our own little space. And then they picked up more uh, liberal areas to, to create a, a stronger uh, backbone for Maxine Waters. And so uh, now me and the people who are registered plus the new people in the new district, that's the, that's where I'll be running at. So, you know, I'm sorry to let you down in the rest of America, but I'm not going to be unseating Maxine Waters this election Man. cycle because I'm not running against her. <laughs> <laughs> however, however, with the support of Americans, again, uh, with your support and everyone who's listening and watching, we have a really good opportunity to go into Congress, you know, but I'm not going to be able yeah. to do it by myself. Uh, we need the same financial support. We need the same physical support that we got last time, uh, this time, because we are in a more conservative district. Um, even the liberals in this district really, really like me. I think we have a lot of great plans mm. that we're going to start uh, implementing or, or laying out um, as we move into the general election. And I think it's something that's going to benefit the American people. So I'm extremely excited about it. That's good. Well, I'd like to see Maxine Waters go, but um, <laughs> if she's not going to go, I'm glad you can be there too. Yep. Um, Joe, where can uh, people learn more about your campaign, but get behind it and support it? This is important, not just to people in California, not just to people in your district, but mm-hmm. across the country and people need to get behind it. Yep. My, uh, my website is joecollinsforcongress.com. That's joecollinsforcongress.com. It's all spelled out. And I, and I actually made a habit of giving my number out because I really want people to call me. I really mm-hmm. want people to get in contact with me and ask me questions. So the number is 323-474-0111. You can text me, I'll text back. Um, You can call a number, I'll get back to you, leave me voicemails because I need to know. I need to talk to as many people as possible because great legislation is not created by one person. It should be a collective of ideas that uh, people have that can be used to improve our communities. That's awesome. Joe, thank you so much, man. I, uh, I love following you on social media. I, again, I like how honest you are, how real you are, how transparent you are. Yep. That's exactly what we need. And I, I think when you say, well, what I hear when you say we need younger leadership, it's not just younger people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's people who are in touch with those that they represent. And I think that's what's happened. We've seen a lot of out of touch uh, folks try to represent us. So thanks for what you're doing yep. and uh, look forward hopefully to talking again, but we'll do as much as we can to get behind you and Look forward to seeing you in Washington. All right, perfect. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate your support. Yes, sir. Thanks, Joe. Many of you know that my day job is working for an organization called the Mighty Oaks Foundation. I've had the opportunity to work with the Mighty Oaks Foundation for a little over 10 years now and very grateful for that opportunity. I served in the United States Marine Corps and left in 2003. When I came back from Iraq and got out of the Marine Corps, I transitioned and had some of the same struggles that many of our veterans today have. Uh, That transition time can be very, very difficult. I moved on with the help and support of my family and others in my close-knit community, and really, in many ways, tried to walk away from my service. It was too hard, too difficult for me to look back, to remember, to stay connected, and so I chose not to. About 10 years after I walked away, I was reconnected with many of the men that I had served with uh, in Iraq and even before that Iraq deployment and came to understand that so many of the men that I served with did not do well. I came home and I struggled, but I had a family around me and I had a community around me that helped me to get back on my feet and continue moving forward. So many of those that I had served with, however, did not have the same opportunity. 
They came home and didn't have that family around them, that community that could lift them up. And so they made some decisions, decisions that we talk about often in the veteran community. I was reminded about 10 years after my service that some of the men that I served with in Iraq came home and struggled and decided that it would be best for them to end their lives. Others who had not taken their lives, but who had struggled from one relationship to the next, from one job to another, and had never really gotten back on their feet. I learned after 10 years that walking away from my military service was not really an option. (laughs) You see, we think we can hang our uniform in the closet for the last time and walk away, but our obligation to those that we served with remains. It was at that time that I had the opportunity to get connected to the Mighty Oaks Foundation. It was just getting started. I met our founder, Chad Robichaux, and together we began to work on what is today a national nonprofit serving veterans, active duty service members, and more and more the first responders in our community. That's what we do. You see, Chad served in the Marine Corps as well, and both of us have an understanding, and so many of the folks, many, many folks that work with us now who served in the military and in the first responder community understand that we may get out, we may hang the uniform up, but we still have an obligation to care for those who have served or are serving. That's exactly what we do at the Mighty Oaks Foundation every single day. We run programs across the country for those who have served, veterans, or are serving, active duty service members, those who are serving in their community as first responders, police officers and firefighters, and others in that first responder community. We serve them by helping them to understand that there is life beyond their service, that their identity should be wrapped up in more than a uniform or a job that they've done or are doing, that there is a purpose, that there is a plan. In fact, that God, the creator, has something he intends for them. And that if they'll simply align their lives to the life that he has for them, so much of the trauma, so much of the difficulty, so much of their past, so many of those things that have a hold on them, they may not go away, but they won't maintain the hold and the control. Here's the message we try to convey and communicate. There is hope. And there is a community of people found within the Mighty Oaks Foundation that understand where you've been because we've been there. We don't have it all figured out. We're certainly not perfect, but we've taken some steps to move forward and we want to take you with us. That's what we do. How do we do that? Again, by communicating the fact that there is hope, by connecting with others who've been there and know how to move forward and by getting around you and supporting you as you begin to take those very important steps yourself. The Mighty Oaks Foundation is blessed to have supporters across the country that make it possible for us to do the work that we do at no cost to the veteran, the active duty service member, or the first responder. For you to attend our program, you simply need to set aside five days and come to one of our locations, one of our facilities. We'll do the rest. There will be no cost to you for the program, no cost for the transportation to get you to the program. We do all of the planning and all of the logistics. You simply need to get there. We want to remove every obstacle for you to get the help, the encouragement, the strengthening, <laughs> the hope, the renewal that you need. We're thankful for the opportunity to do that. Perhaps you are not a veteran or a service member. You're not in the first responder community, but you care about those who have served and are serving our communities. Well, you may fall into the other category then. Perhaps you're someone that can support what we do financially to make it possible for those folks to come along. 
Maybe your support is not financial support, but you know someone in your community, in your town, in your church, uh, in a club or something else that you're a part of that could use this kind of support and encouragement. Plug them in. Let us help them. Let us get them on the road. No cost to them. We want to do the work, but we need you to get them to us. That was a lot of words. If you listen to the show, you know I say a lot of words sometimes. So let me point you to the one place where you can get all your questions answered. MightyOaksPrograms.org is our website. MightyOaksPrograms.org. There you will find more information about what we do as an organization. There's an application for those who would like to apply. Fill that application out. Our team will get back to you. Set everything else up. If you would like to support the work of the Mighty Oaks Foundation, you'll find a place to do that there as well. And there is also a section for resources. So many of you know people who need help but may not start by coming to a program, attending a program, but they would read a book, they would watch a video, they would listen to a testimony. We have those resources there for you as well. So please come and join us at the Mighty Oaks Foundation's website, mightyoaksprograms.org. Our veterans, active duty members, and first responders need our support. Maybe you're in that category. You need our support. And that begins by going to the Mighty Oaks Programs website, mightyoaksprograms.org. I appreciate Joe and, uh, man, just his his uh, authenticity. We, we talk about so many things as it relates to politicians. Joe is so real and so authentic. He has a plan. He knows what needs to be done, and he's ready to execute on that. I appreciate that uh, so much. He's a guy I look to and really hope that in many ways he'll become a pattern, uh, not so that other politicians will mimic the way or uh, model their campaigns and their personalities after him, but more that they'll take from him the fact that if you are running to represent people, you should be connected to those people. You should understand them, understand the needs of the community that you represent, wherever that is in the country, and then do your very best once elected to go and represent those folks. Our politicians have missed it. So many of them are disconnected from reality. They're disconnected from their constituents, disconnected from those who actually put them in office. And in many ways, we've talked about this a lot on this show, uh, the goal of the politician becomes staying in office. And that is a terrible, terrible goal. That's why I appreciate Joe so much. And uh, again, he has yet to get to Washington. I know that. But just watching the way that he campaigns uh, is such a breath of fresh air. It's so refreshing to watch someone who really gets it and who seeks to represent um, his community. And I appreciate that. I'm thankful for his uh, commitment to the place that he came from, to understanding where he came from, serving his country, and then going back to serve his community. And so many important lessons uh, in that interview, of course, but just as we approach the midterms, and many of us have the opportunity to elect folks to Congress. Uh, many Senate races taking place, of course. We're getting ready after this. We'll be right back in an election cycle as we get ready to elect the next president of the United States. So much is going on. And I really believe that many of us are looking at politics across the country and in our communities differently today than we even did two years ago. Uh, coming off of the pandemic, coming off of lockdowns, coming off of uh, mandates, and all of these things that we've had to deal with, I hope has opened the eyes of many in our country. 
Joe talked about this, that uh, the pandemic and, and all that's happened in the last couple of years has opened many people's eyes to what politicians are doing, what they're willing to do, and really what they should be doing. Uh, I hope that what this does is create in us a desire to get involved. Uh, I've talked about this many, many times. But I believe that the answer for our country, as it relates to our politics and our leadership, the answers, even in states like California, is a bottom-up answer, not a top-down answer. We want to go after governors. We want to go after senators and members of Congress. And certainly, we need to get behind the right people to represent us in all of those places. But if we really want to make a difference, the way to make a difference is to get involved locally. Are we getting involved in local committees, uh, opportunities to volunteer our time, to make our voices heard? Are we getting involved at school board meetings or perhaps even running for school board members? Are, are, Are we doing what we can locally in our city councils, either running for those seats or supporting those who are there? Are we getting involved? Because it's as we get involved in our communities that we can then get involved outside of our immediate communities in our counties. And then in our states, as we influence our states, we can influence the country. We have an opportunity, and it's a real opportunity, if only we will take it. One of the reasons I appreciate politicians like Joe Collins, and again, go to his website, get involved. I've interviewed a bunch of politicians on this show. If you've listened, you know that. (laughs) He's the only one that's ever given out his cell phone number. Uh, And he he gives that out. Why? Because he wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from those that he has the opportunity to represent. Get behind him and uh, support him. We need folks like him to represent us, of course. Uh, But I I love the idea that I'm going to go back and serve the community that I came from. And I believe for us to make a difference in our country, we need to all have the same perspective. How can I serve the community that I came from? Uh, Not too long ago, I had a conversation on this show, and I I asked this question a lot. How should we view social media? How should we view technology? What are the important platforms for us to be on? You've heard me ask that question. I've asked it of a bunch of of folks. And uh, I I think it was uh, Amber Athey, who I interviewed uh, not too long ago. She said, you know, I think one of the most important the apps that we have right now is the Nextdoor app. I think it was her that had that conversation. It might have been someone else. But the Nextdoor app, it's an app where neighbors are able to collaborate on what's happening in their neighborhood. Why is that so important? Because that's where it begins. When we were a nation that cared about our neighbors, we cared about our schools, we cared about our communities, we looked at the world different, we didn't simply look at what was happening in other places on social media, we were interested in what was happening on our street. And for so many, we've lost that. Uh, whether it's the next door app or just walking next door, we need to get back to a place where we care about the communities where we live, where our kids are growing up, and where we're able to serve for the next generation of people coming through our community. I know that this is a dark time. I know that it's a difficult time, certainly, to exist in the United States. There are places in the world that have it much worse than we do. I also know that. (laughs) But I don't want to dismiss the struggles that we have here. Many people struggling with employment, uh, the inflation issues that we're dealing with right now, supply chain issues that we're dealing with right now, school issues for our kids that we're dealing with right now. We have real issues right now, real ones. They're real, and they're for us as Americans, things that we have to address. And it can be overwhelming. 
And we can say, well, there's no turning back. There's no going back. There's no getting back to uh, what once was. And I don't think we should necessarily want what once was. You know, we look back. It's not all great back there either. But what we can do is make a difference now. Uh, there is hope. But there's only hope if we choose to get involved. We've got some great politicians we've had on, people who are running for office to represent us. We need to get behind them and support them. Support Joe Collins. You need to do that. But you also need to get involved. How are you going to do that? Join a committee. Make your voice heard. Run for a school board position. Get involved with the city council. Volunteer at your local police department. There are so many opportunities if only you will take advantage of those. I am hopeful because I don't believe that what we're seeing represents who we are as Americans, but it will eventually. If we don't seize the moment now to stand up and take advantage of the opportunity that we have in front of us to help get our country back on course. And uh, I'm encouraged by uh, so many folks. Joe is one of those. A guy, he said, I've, I've, I've made it out of a difficult young life situation. I grew through that. I've supported my family. I've served my country. And now I'm going back to give back and to help everyone else have the opportunity to advance as well. So grateful for him and the opportunities in front of us. Get involved. That's how this thing changes. Hope that was an encouraging episode for you today. Uh, It can feel like we're all alone, but we're not all alone. A lot of good people doing a lot of good work. Let's join them and let's give them uh, really the push they need, the support they need uh, to make a difference in our country. And I know we will all appreciate that. If you're not yet subscribed to this podcast, please do subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, or you can go watch on YouTube, go to YouTube, look for the Situation Report. You'll find this episode and every other episode uh, that we've done there. It's all archived there. You can find uh, some some great episodes. I was on YouTube not too long ago looking at some of the old episodes. It's We're doing three a week now. We were doing one a week for a while. Now we're doing three a week. You forget, man, we've had some great conversations and they're helpful conversations. Go and check those out on YouTube. Subscribe, hit that notification bell, leave us a comment, share this content out, and that would be fantastic. Thank you for joining us. We will talk to you next time. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.